Hey, welcome to the Most Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosen Carbonate, and I'm joined by Mike Munson Ryder and Patrick Cognago to talk about weather skating needs and industry trade show like the ASR in the 90s. But first, a new Jeff Rowley part. Jeff Rowley has been a staple of Southern California skating since immigrating from Liverpool, England in the early 1990s. This week, he dropped an eight-minute, yes, an eight-minute part in this economy via his latest endeavor, Free Dome. Mike, did this part turn you into one of those guys that uses the word stoke as a noun? I think I was warned at the outset of Jeff Raleigh's part that there needed to be a stoke warning. I might have actually used stoke as a noun anyways, but I'm going to give Jeff, I, I in, in my rudimentary internet research for this, for this episode, I found out that, is it Jeffrey Joseph Raleigh is a junior? Like, there's another one of these guys out there. <laughs> that that being said, I, I'm I'm giving as as a as a fan of the dude and as a fan of people in their late forties putting out parts, I'm giving him all the respect. It's pretty insane to do an entire or like a second entire part that's all like washouts and banks and like storm storm infrastructure. But I I think he I don't know, I just I just respect the effort and the mania that goes into something like this and uh, length notwithstanding, I do think that, you know, if you're skating these big ass banks, just rolling away adds maybe three to four minutes to the length of the part because the banks are so big. But uh, Patrick, do you agree with me? Disagree? What, what were your thoughts? So I'm of two minds because on one hand, I respect the technique. It's really hard to skate drainage ditches, especially over the last couple of years in which like the quality and the maintenance of these things, it really varies from place to place. And you have to do a lot of prep work to make sure that they're actually skatable so that you don't go flying and lose half the skin off of your arm or your leg. On the other hand, it flew by for an eight minute part, but it also felt kind of, it felt strange. It felt like I was kind of in a it was almost like he was skating the same spot over and over and over again. And maybe that was the intent. But with all the work that's been done to make Southern California seem a little bit more interesting, at least compared to the rest of the world, this felt like regression. And this is not a diss on Jeff's style, his skating, but I feel like could have used a little bit more or actually you know, a lot more spot variety and just maybe a little bit more editing. If this had been a three minute or four minute part, I think that would have been, that would have been way more hard hitting. Jason, what about you? Yeah. Well, here's the deal with Jeff Rowley. Like when he came out, I kind of always thought he was corny. Like, I don't know, this sounds stupid, but it was just like the way he dressed. Like you wear like medium cargo shorts, like medium flip shirt right out the box, like some air walks with like some socks pulled up or something. And he pretty much did like stock tricks downstairs and rails. So like, you know, I wasn't too into it, but part in sorry was pretty sick as was the part in really sorry when he skated to, um, you'll never walk alone. I think plus some other where it's on. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess this is the career trajectory for like a jumping down stuff, jumping down stuff type of pro that's, uh, in his mid to late forties. But, um, yeah, it's a lot of the same thing. Like, I, I think I'm good. I think I'm good on tricks into draining the drainage ditches or just like, you know, stock flip flip tricks into a big ass ditch I think and then we, ride it. 
I feel like we got to give some context, though, because when Jeff and the whole Flip crew, Andy Scott, Tom Penny, Runa Glifberg, who else was in that whole squad that emigrated over from uh, from the UK and continental Europe? That, that first wave of Flip Riders, they did stuff big, they did stuff clean, and Tom Penny was ahead of the class. I mean, he was arguably oh, yeah. one of the most stylish dudes ever. And, you know, Jeff is, I think he stood out then because he did stuff so clean. And also he got a kind of like, he got a bit of a cool pass from me anyway, because uh, he loves the Beatles and I love the Beatles, especially as a middle schooler. I always thought he actually had really great, great graphics. Uh, he's also, a lot of his parts also are just filled with like some pretty like deep English references not just skating to You'll Never Walk Alone, which is the official song of his beloved Liverpool FC, but also him skating to the specials and chilling on a scooter. You know, I think he, I, I want to say he might have been a, a scooter boy back in the day when he was younger. And then also his um, his narration of the flip industry section too. There's a little part of it at the very end where uh, the Scouse accent takes over and I can't remember what the hell he says. It's like, you know, dear dad, blah, blah, blah. Please send some more hobnobs and something, something. I'm like, what is he saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, his use of uh, British comic books for graphics, like the the UK Dennis the Menace for a couple of those graphics. Dennis the Menace and Nasher. Shout out to them. I used to see those at my cousin's places whenever we'd visit there or Uganda. Um, it, it, he was a breath of fresh air for like, such a long time, too. It's just, it's also interesting, though. You can't divorce talking about Jeff. Is it Rowley or Raleigh? I always thought it was Rolly. I default to Rolly. Maybe that's an Americanism. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, as somebody who uses the corrupted version of of his name, I can understand. So again, Jeff, I apologize if we've been mispronouncing your name all of these years, but uh, take a number, my guy. Welcome to America. But what's interesting is like his his turn. You know, he he left Flip, and does anybody know the circumstances of why he left Flip? I wanted to ask that because it's like. Uh, you know, I ended up on the Wikipedia page today, the Jeff Raleigh Wikipedia page, to be clear. And it's like, you know, they got him down as a co-owner at the top. And then, you know, how he left in, I believe, mid last decade. And I don't know, my first thought, as we discussed in the chat, was just like, all right, I'm making twenty five hundred three grand per year off my board sponsor. I want more. But I don't think we've seen it for an explanation. I'm sure people will let us know if we're missing it. I mean, is it one of those circumstances where I thought I was an owner, I thought I had shares or a stake in the company, and as it turns up, no, I didn't. All right, guess what? I'm out. And especially, I'm going to assume he either has, at the very least, a green card or has been naturalized and is now a dual U.S.-U.K. Uh, citizen that, you know, he doesn't have to worry about them hanging the whole, like, well, we paid for your work visa and such and such, hanging that over his head. Because there's definitely been some companies who have done that to foreign riders who are here. Basically saying we paid for all your 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 legal and immigration stuff. You owe us, Jason. I don't I mean, know. For, what do you think? I I will just say from like yeah, 1993 I, to 2023, like dude's dude's career is mad long. <laughs> so I, I I imagine he's naturalized. But Jason, you were saying? Oh yeah, yeah. It was probably some money thing with um those flip guys. But speaking of you know immigrating, naturalization, he um. He has a whole new like American persona, like outdoorsman, you know, hunting, fishing, American traditions, all that shit. Pretty different, like for you know, from like a you know, kid from Liverpool, which is kind of what he was in the. Uh, sorry. Yeah, a vegan. Really kid. Sorry, I don't know. A vegan. Vegan to 
vegan to holding cow skulls and shit as like yeah what what wait hold up what like that one skull he's holding up at the end like what is that dude that's like it looks like one of those prehistoric deer <laughs> that you see at like the natural history museum it could have been one of his kills i know he's he's definitely gotten into hunting and i think that the the obvious explanation is that flip skateboards and that whole crew are based in huntington beach california which is in orange county one of the most conservative and reactionary places in Southern California, if not the entire country. It is yeah. the home of a lot of the reactionary politics that has shaped much of post-war American life. And, you know, you live there long enough, it's the sort of thing that um, if you are receptive to it, it will rub off on you. And there's something that does not sit well with me, this idea of freedom. And, you know, he's now in... Um, Donald Trump Jr.'s uh, new men's magazine saying like a, a magazine where men can be men, to which I have two questions. Number one, since when did men able to, since when were men not men and, and, and has there been some sort of threat? I, it's, I, I do not subscribe to that idea of that there's a persecution complex. I mean, it, it's absurd. And I know that that is, you know, part of the whole, that's the foundation of the, the, this new manosphere. And I think it's disgusting because it's been a free country. And then also number two, it's like, Jeff, like you are at the top of the heap, my dude. I mean, you are an Anglo-Saxon man who emigrated to the United States. You live in Southern California. You probably got a sick house. You're living well, right? The sun shines every single day. What do you have to complain about, my guy? There's nothing being taken from you. You're in the VIP. Maybe, maybe his feet feel like shit because of his pro model, which was like the most paper thin, amazing, ridiculous bulk shoe because yeah i remember dudes who swore though swore by those shoes which that's that's like a 1999 shoe again thanks wikipedia i hope that's accurate i'm being facetious though i mean i i agree like the the whatever the aggrieved white guy outlook needs to be it's uh pretty faulty yeah. to say the least i mean there's nothing wrong with going out shooting i don't hunt not for me um, but if you're going and shooting at the range and hanging out, yeah, absolutely fine. But it, it just, it, 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 it reeks of desperation. I'm sorry. Yeah, wait, hold, hold up. Back to what you said before. So so Don Jr. has a magazine or a website or something? Yeah, it's like some sort of, it's a magazine. It's like some sort of, it, I, it, it is, uh, I am treading very, very carefully right here. Um, but yeah, it's like a, a new men's lifestyle magazine. Like dog, like. Every magazine is basically a men's lifestyle magazine. We live in the male gaze, <laughs> you know, to, to, to crib a little bit of uh, really basic, you know, feminist theory 100. Uh, but again, and also Orange County, the Board of Supervisors over there just recently voted not to fly the pride flag during pride month, which I think is absurd. But that's just tells you what kind of environment that he's been living in for the better part of his adult life. And look, it's a free country. You can have the choices you want. You can ascribe to the politics and the lifestyle that you want. But as a first-generation American, as the child of immigrants, it, it does, there's something about it. There's a lot of things about it that don't sit, don't sit well with me. But that doesn't take away from his skating. I still think he is actually a really, really awesome skater. And I've heard he's actually a really, really chill guy. Yeah, I gotta um, yeah, look look that interview up now. It's uh, piqued my interest. But yeah, as you were saying, like going back to the skating on a micro level, like you can come up with some creative shit. Like that um, three sixty foot nose slide was cool. That was the best uh, trick in there. I think. Yeah, I, yeah, right. I think so on that ditch in um, Houston. Maybe I don't know. Maybe not. Also, that uh, like blunt. 
the backside nose blunt on that brick quarter pipe that everyone's getting now. That was pretty sick. That's an old like Eric Cost and H Street mini ramp trick. That's a sick one. Also, the music, the uh, that little drum interlude in the middle was kind of cool. That was Dave Lombardo, who you might know from Slayer. Hmm. Is, he not Lombardo. Slayer? Is he not in Slayer anymore? What's the deal these days? Well, okay. Well, yeah. Well, Dave Lombardo, the drum tornado was i think he was only in slayer until like the mid 90s or something then they got the drummer from dark angel or forbidden or some other thrash band and yeah slayer slayer is out of commission now i think i think they retired but anyway it's pretty heavy to have slayer kind of in a way and motorhead in your video part but i do wonder how like connected dude is because i don't know we 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 sometimes have uh slightly micro skateboard world view where you don't know what the guy's reach is he's been doing this for a long ass time and he's been you know using uh, using and or probably poking motorhead etc for a long while yeah and as a matter of fact i looked on uh, the website because this this video was you know a promotional production for his company his brand uh free dome ridiculous name on the on the where yeah man just, yeah like, if, like, if i was if i was dandra hopeful i'd be heated right now oh, because because yeah, freedom was actually cool that was that was a while ago i doubt they they might not have even gotten trademarks or any of that shit i wouldn't it be was, surprised um shout out era. shout out to the freedom angel t-shirt which definitely got a few kids i know in, in trouble at school I like his use of Motorhead, and I like I, I like the fa- and also because Lemmy is also from the north of England and also a Beatles or was a Beatles fanatic and actually saw the Beatles at the Cavern Club, which is wild. And and Lemmy lived a very very interesting and strange life. Yeah, man. He uh, actually I was doing some rudimentary internet research for this podcast, and <laughs> allegedly he he smoked forty Marlboro Reds a day. I don't doubt that. And he lived in the, he lived in the same rent-controlled apartment in West Hollywood until he died, actually. Um, I really love that Motorhead documentary, that's pretty, too. That's pretty sick. Yeah, um, it's a little inside baseball. After he passed, there was some discussion at West Hollywood City Council about whether or not to commemorate his death. But I think it got, it got shut down because uh, it's pretty well known that he was a huge collector of World War II, but particularly Nazi memorabilia. And there were some folks who did not feel particularly comfortable with that, uh, the demographics of West Hollywood being what they are. So that did end up not happening. I think he gave a rather ham-fisted uh, defense of it, but it's one of those. It's one of those. It's one of those things where it's just how are you going to argue with old English dudes who have decided that this is their hill to die on, that they want to collect and venerate Nazi memorabilia? <laughs> not cool, but reminds me of that dude. Uh, what is it? That one-armed man from The Simpsons, Herman. When he uh when that episode Bart the General is like some authentic Nazi underpants anyway yeah um, oh is that is that is that the guy who runs the uh the army surplus store yeah that's the dude that's the dude <laughs> yeah, <there you> <laughs> let me it's an that. authentic army surplus store feeling yeah at least for the one in Maplewood Minnesota where I buy my like wool uh Rothko stocking caps like yeah the watch always- cap. They're always trying to sell you that shit, too. I remember um, I used to get jeans repaired by this dude who lived in downtown L.A., and he was on the same shit. And uh, I remember, like, out of the corner of my eye, I caught some of it just, like, hanging on the wall. And this was not a military surplus store. I was like, I was like well, I'm not taking my shit here anymore. But, yeah, 
Very, very common. Very common in Southern California. What, what else uh, did you think about dude skating? Was that what you were gonna say, Jason? <laughs> oh, I was gonna say what what did Mark Appleyard do in here? Because I couldn't I couldn't identify him. Then I saw at the end like he was in. I was like, what? I think he was just there hanging out. Oh, okay. I think you got credits for being another skater who was on video. Because yeah, I didn't I didn't catch his trick either. And do we do we um do we count the Colin Provost? like semi bump to blunt slide if i recall oh that, that included a bank right so it was a clean yeah sweep. yeah yeah clean so. sweep of bank tricks yeah i think so so wait, wait talk about so, any cameo yeah that was cool that was some cool shit it's always good to see top penny i don't know are are we <laughs> when you said it's always cool to see tom penny i i like to joke on the internet that like there's now and when when for so long there weren't enough tom penny clips to actually like feed my need for it. And then, you know, Instagram came along and all of a sudden there's like an endless number of Tom Penny clips. But like, I think this kind of came up on skate Twitter today, but I, I don't think Raleigh's in the place of like, all right, dude, you know, give up your space in the hierarchy for, for younger skaters on the come up. But like, when, when, when do we need to turn the page on certain skaters? <laughs> I ask. Well, like, I'll, I have no data to support this, but I bet you that Mushrooms board still moves units. I had a mini in, <laughs> it must it must have been 1996. I had the Tom Penny Mushroom board, purple background. It was a mini. And yeah, I'm, I mean, it was a great graphic. Then and now, depending on your, on your state of mind, but. I still see it. I don't know. Yeah. It's like one of those, uh, it's like what, uh, Roaches, the Tom Penny uh, Mushroom Board, and Keith Richards are the three things that will be left behind post-apocalypse. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Tom Penny's really, uh, he's really in uncharted territory in terms of like how old you can be and still wear like really baggy shit. I, sometimes I watch his clips and I try to figure out if just like I dislike his gear that much, <laughs> that like that's. That's my main roadblock, and it's not his, like, uh, I'm not trying to bag on Tom Penny because he was the first skater, I think, like in 411 ads, where I was like, whoa, this dude is doing stuff and looks so cool doing it that this is why I want a skateboard, and this is why I go out and get a Tom Penny flip mushroom board mini and why I kickflip all the time. Y'all know what 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 am my favorite Tom Penny tricks ever it's not even in a flip video it's a guest joint it's a kickflip over the big handrail uh, and him dapping up muska in welcome to hell friends section oh my god he he could do no wrong there was like a two or three year period from 95 to 98 in which like, low-key tom penny could have walked on water and we would have believed it dude europe 95 video the northampton contest that he won where he nolly flips the bump to bump pushes up the roll-in bank and then switch front side flips the pyramid like daniel oh, yeah. shot that the and... one with that um with the he's wearing like that green polo shirt yeah yeah with like the yeah. perfect pants I think so I, I like i i don't know the the skating's so indelible that i've never yeah, paid was, a yeah. attention to his gear yeah it was in a 411 yeah, it was uh, Europe 95, because Europe 94 was the year that everybody was spitting on him and, you know, talking, you know, cat shit about all the English skaters. And then the following year, that was the Radlands contest. And the next year he just bodied it. And I think that was the, that was when he he, he kind of took over the industry. 
you see him at the end of that contest. You know, he's got this you know nice little grin on his face. Everyone's you know hugging him, giving him high five, like excited because you were just a few years removed from the goofy boy pants and pressure flips. And here was somebody who was was just he looked effortless. I mean, like the whole flip team was really, really, really good. I mean, it was like flip and Plan B, secondhand smoke era Plan B, that kind of hit the reset button and said, like, look, you're gonna have some good jeans some gum sole shoes, like fresh tea, and it's got to look clean. It's got to look good. And that was an, um, what a wonderful time to start skateboarding. Like what a, like what a great time to start skating. Like there were, there were no embarrassing tricks there. There were no illegal tricks there. Everything was fresh. I mean, those, those two brands caught my eye and then I quickly, I mean, mouse came out and then I got to see Paco or probably saw goldfish before, but yeah. Yeah. The foundations were, were, in the middle 90s, 94, 95, 96, 97, like, yeah, not a bad time. Even hit some stereo shit. Oh, no, it, oh it, yeah, it's a visual sound. That 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 was crazy when that video came out. So back to back to Jeff. So does he have one part, one more part in him, or is this the end of the line? I think so. I mean, th- this seems to be his, uh, his jam, but uh, actually, I was actually watching some of his parts, and, like, he's been doing this, this ditch He's been on this ditch wave for a, for a while, so I guess it's all right if he wants to do like a whole part of it. I mean, is this any worse than skating curbs in a, in a whole ass part? Like, would we be oh, nasty with just skating yeah. curbs? Well, it's it, well, it's weird because in one way, people and people like you know Jeff Rowley who are like you know people use the word legend like way too frequently in this shit, but uh, yeah, you could say he's a legend. But yeah, this is this is better than than curbs, I think. Even yeah, though people, yeah, like people would think it was cool who was getting curves because they'd be like, oh, you know, we just wanted to skate. But uh, yeah, th- this shit is, is, I think it's cooler than curves. It's not the what? greatest to watch because it's like, it's just like a, uh, kind of like watching a bowl. It's all like gray or beige. You know what I mean? You kind of zone out. There's nothing to focus on. That like final, and I agree with that. It's kind of like, it's difficult to gauge how gnarly what is actually going on is but the final boss like wash out into a road that he skated where it's similar to the ones that he skates but it's a new one as far as i could tell i think he did a again it's like what's the best trick did he do on this thing it's like a kickflip nose slide into a taller and gnarlier thing like there's one angle long lens from the top kind of showing what he's going into and I think it's really legitimately gnarly to, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just thinking of like, you're going into this thing and you don't stop until like 30 feet down on the, on the ground. And um, I don't know. It's, it, it's cool. I would like to see more variety. Like a buddy, we were talking about the part on like Instagram chat and he shared with me just like a hard post Raleigh had of doing tricks off a pyramid solo at a skate park you know just like frontside half cab flip frontside flip through six feet flip over a garbage can and it's like oh he can do other shit still and his knees function well enough to do that i i'd like to see a little bit more variety but he's also got like this insane focus of mind on this type of skating to put out and it's super weird but i think it's kind of cool and interesting too yeah, I mean, like if you think of his contemporaries, right? There's guy, guy's still ripping, but like he 
kind of more strategic. Like he'll pick his pick his spots more, you know, and just put like little cool tricks out. Reynolds is just like street skating, just kind of like straight ahead, like not super tech, just like solid, you know, fundamental street skating, I guess. Yeah. And Ro- and Rollies, he's like in into this shit. So yeah. Can I? Oh, go on. Please. Shout out Guy uh, Guy Mariano real quick. That switch frontside shove it that he did at the brick quarter pipe. And I'm sure someone in Southern California knows exactly where that's at. My San Bernardino. Maybe. Yes. The switch frontside shove it he did that's like as tall as the brick quarter pipe is tall is it? Yeah, that's great. I thought he was going to hang. I thought he was going to do switch frontside shove, like fakie hang up and come in. And then he just yeah, came in. I want to see the real time footage of that because apparently, you know, it got airdropped to someone and it's just locked in slow mo. But holy shit, that's incredible. Yeah, it's been circulating quite a bit. But then the question is, guy, where's the part, man? Come on. I'm going to be a skeleton yeah. by the time this thing comes wait, out. Wait till the Dickies video. Shane O'Neill's got to just like lay the hammer down. Like, all right, guy, we're, we're giving you $4 per board. Let's do the part. I wonder what per board fees are anymore. Like who's even getting two? Like I'm, I made up four dollars. Like two dollars used to be. Yeah, yeah. Like pro pro model sales. Hey, listen, well, clue us in. All right. Well, speaking of board royalties and things of that nature, back in the 1990s, one of the biggest industry events was the Action Sports Retailer, pretty much known as ASR Trade Show. The twice-annual San Diego-based trade show featured the latest in surf and skatewear trends. But in the late aughts, it suffered from a drop in attendance as the recession took its toll on discretionary spending. The last ASR was in 2010. But with skating more popular than ever, it's worth asking. So, Patrick, I will ask you. Does the industry need a trade show to foster in-person business development and networking in 2023? The answer is yes on both counts. However... Who is going to organize it? Because running conventions is a ton of work. I don't know if either of y'all, I think, Mike, you've talked about this in the group chat about attending conventions, but, you know, running a booth at a convention, doing all the logistics, working with a convention center. I mean, dog, we, we can't even keep a, a an Olympic organization together here. Who's How are we going to keep a biannual industry trade show going? My goodness. Like, what do y'all think? Like, do you think we need it? Well, in a way, like ASR was really the shit, like, I guess before the internet and definitely before, you know, social media, because it was like, that's where all the wheeling and dealing went down. Like people got on different teams. Like I think Kayla said he got on Alien and some ASR. You got to see all the new products. Like nowadays they just put it on Instagram or some lookbook or something. Like every brand had a booth. Like the world booth was always crazy. You know, like I think in one of them they had tons of graffiti and whatnot. Yeah, there's always like a big like party scene or whatever. Like I never went, of course, because I was like 16 or 17. But I'd always hear like stories about how dope it was and shit. Oh, plus the uh, things like you know the high ollie contest. I don't know if it was like the official Reese Forbes one or I think the first one, the Danny Wainwright one. It was just like high ollie contest before it was like a Reese Forbes branded. But like shit like that, you know, it's just a place for people in the culture to, you know, network and like get shit done. Yeah. yeah. In reality, in the physical world, which doesn't really exist now, except for I think agenda still exists, but it's weird. Like it's mostly like streetwear, and they have some skate shit going on, but it's just like 
they built a set of stairs and the handrail and the convention center. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it's not the same. Agenda, I I want to say it moved to Vegas and something that right. felt a little weird. Uh, I had a buddy whose ex homegirl used to work for them, and I couldn't get much information out of her about what Agenda's plan was and why skateboarding was at the periphery. And this was some years ago. This was when skating was popping, popping, popping. Like uh, when there was that nice upswing that kind of crested around 2020, 2021. And it's frustrating. I mean, Mike, you have also have convention experience. Do you think skating needs this or is this a relic of the past? I don't know. I, I don't think skating likes things like this. I don't know. I, I mean, like here in Minneapolis, for instance, they're uh, just because of like Familia HQ, the skate park that Familia does, there have been plenty and that's not putting a number on anything, but, you know, recently, like, a launching shoe brand had skate shop people here and shoe brand riders, and they, you know, previewed the line and skated and skated the shoes and skated the city. And I feel like that's more the direction that things are going in, like a one-off event where you're not tied to anything. Because I don't necessarily think that especially with the internet and everything, anybody needs to be in the same place all at once and do that thing where it's like the industry is getting together. Random kind of side tale, like this is going back to, must have been 2011, 2010. But, um, and I think it's also like the lack of a trade show is the influence of the bigger brands getting into skating and being like, we're going to do our own stuff, a la Nike where I was writing for the skateboard mag at the time and my editor was kind enough to say, hey, I was invited on this trip to New York City. I can't go. You want to go? And so I got flown out on Nike SB dollars for a P-Rod shoe launch, like maybe a P-Rod 3. I don't even recall which one it was. But yeah, like Junket Kimpton Hotel took nine showers in three days because this hotel room was so dope and the shower was so dope and, you know, pushed around. Might have seen Paul Rodriguez giving an interview to Adam Salo, who was ESPN at the time. But, like, I don't know. It's it's funny because there's so much... There's still plenty of money in skating and these brands can do things and maybe a trade show would save them money. But, yeah, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place now. No, you know, I, I don't. I don't think they necessarily need it. Yeah, but um, so with these one-off things you're talking about, that's the kind of thing where, like, if you know, skater Y has like a new pro model, they you know have a party and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's that kind of thing. It, it just you know, from attending both the stoked sessions in San Diego back in April, and Mike and I attending Slow Impact in, back in February in Tempe, it feels as though skating needs or craves these spaces where that are not contests where we can just talk about stuff where we can cement some relationships more specifically cement in-person relationships and i know pre-broadband and pre-social media the asr trade shows were not only the 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 place where people could get together and party but also like a lot of business was being done that's a huge amount of business development so for like jason you you pointed out that kalis got on alien at the, you know, I think, yeah, he got an alien at the ASR trade show. Or was it that he got on DC? Because he was on kind One of, a, yeah, he was kind of on Adidas. I think it might have been Adidas. He was yeah, kind was, of on Adidas. Yeah, it was one, either one of those. It was either alien or DC. Yeah. 
because he was hanging out a lot with the alien guys anyway when right, he was right, supposed right. to be living with Jamie Thomas. So that felt like it was going to happen anyway. But it was the trade show where, you know, he saw this Adidas booth and there was a picture of him and doing a nose slide when I think it was the Adidas Posit Tracks or maybe the Nortons. And it wasn't a make. And he, he felt rather embarrassed about it. And he, I think he made the right decision going to D.C., although it would have been cool to see him in the three stripes in the long term. Yeah, well, he's uh, 25 years later. He's still on D.C. He still has a pro model shoe. Yeah, he's still spending money from 98. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but uh, the, the, the other thing about, about trade shows is that they're a great way for an industry to develop a relationship with either a region, a county, or a city. So the ASR trade show was held twice a year at the San Diego Convention Center, which all skaters know as this, one of the greatest spots in Southern California, as seen in Questionable and tons and tons of other videos. And it was when you you know when you have a convention, it's it's something. It's a way to build political capital. And you know we've spent a lot of time on the pod talking about skaters doing more to get involved in local government and doing advocacy for skate parks. But at the core of it, there's also a whole industry, and industry means money. And Southern California is one of the the key, you know, is home to a huge chunk of the skateboard industry. So it feels weird not having something happening so that, say, I don't know, city council members, a mayor, a governor, whoever, can pull up and say, hey, you know, it's great to see the skateboard thing going, and we support your business, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, an ASR trade show, you, was it ASR, I think, was where Clyde Singleton for many years was talking about trying to get a skaters union together. Shout out to Chris Gentry, who was also a big proponent of that. And it's, shout out Chris, shout out Chris and Ricka Gentry. Yeah. I think they've split up though. No shit. I think so. I think oh, so. Bro. Yeah. That was a power couple. Kingdom skateboards. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm <laughs> but, uh, but you know, in all seriousness, you know, there is a limit to the type of, uh, you know, amongst, uh, political organizers, there's, uh, been a decent amount of uh, scholarly literature that's come out about the limitations of of online organizing. Very similar for skating. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of business transactions and things that we can do online, but there's some things that they just work better in person. It's those conversations in the hallway. It's those conversations over a big Mexican dinner on the late night tip, or it could be, you know, beers at the after hours or it could be you know all a bunch of people all hanging out at some mini ramp that everybody's migrated to for a huge session you can't the on the online experience cannot replicate that so i guess i wonder to y'all is that enough to convince someone and then something i hinted at at the beginning it's really hard to put on a convention and and i think skateboarding struggles at doing these big events routinely it would cost a shitload of money to get this thing going again, but it would, I feel like it would be worth it. Like, do y'all like, if it came back, would you attend number one? And number two, do you think it's worth the effort? I would, I would love to. I mean, aren't most conventions in, in Vegas these days? Like that seems to be a big, big place. It is. Things to take place. That's a thing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, definitely help me, help me fun as shit, dude. I mean, yeah. Like you were kind of alluding to Patrick, like it would definitely be like a chance for skating to like, flex its uh you know muscle as an industry you know well, what i mean I, I, I with with respect to slow impact anytime i'm trying to explain it to just about anybody who wasn't there 
you know, and like, uh, it, it was a skateboard convention in Tempe. And, you know, I think that's a good shorthand for it. It might not be, you know, pre-booking for what fall 2024 of Josh Kalis's line of shoes or whatever. But I think that, yeah, that, that, that angle of networking or the need for networking is still out there and it's just going to take different forms. Um, one other point. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if the companies need to show their stuff the same way they did in like, you know, without the internet as they did in the nineties. I mean, I think of, I think of just how like the girl and chocolate trade show loop, like the pro video that they showed that, that shit was legendary. And now, you know, they can put it on Instagram and the board, you know, you, you just know what the boards are going to be. I don't know. It, It just, it does seem different in a product sense, but then, you know, I, I've known plenty of, uh, sales reps who drive around with every sample in their bag and they're showing that shit off at you know this skate shop in fargo north dakota props to this shit is it there god now i'm twisted but um what yeah sorry you're all right yeah I'm, I'm 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 forgetting the the name of a really rad shop in fargo so i apologize to all parties involved jason what were you gonna say well yeah, I mean, even with the internet, like most industries still have some type of convention. Like they still have the consumer electronics show in Vegas, the adult entertainment convention or whatever they call it is still in Vegas, of course. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it will be sick, dude. But I mean, it's one of those things where like once people stop doing it, it's really hard. Like it'll be really hard to get them like motivated or encourage them to, you know, get started doing it again know what i mean yeah like, uh, yeah it's like oh god I have to travel and like come up with a booth and all this shit it'll be a lot but i think if like the captains of industry you know what i mean got behind it in some form or fashion it might uh might be pretty sick i guess uh the you, the last point i would make about it is that you're right vegas is a huge hub of all types of conventions after the city decided to clean up its image after a lot of the controversy with organized crime in the 70s and 80s. Uh, by the way, footnote, organized crime never left. It's always there. It will always be with us. Um, Vegas has reinvented itself not only as a family-friendly destination, but the West Coast destination for conventions. So I think that could be amazing. I, I think I, I think it could be very, 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 very... It, it, could, it could get live for certain people. But I think it would be, look, Vegas has got the hotels, they've got the infrastructure, they've got tons of convention centers and convention rooms of all kinds of different sizes. You know, do you just start small? Do you just say like, hey, we're doing a skateboard retreat in Vegas and we're going to have, oh, mostly skateboarding live and we're going to have a fireside (laughs) chat with, I don't know, Jim T and, you know, things like that. And then, you know, you know, some high stakes, you know, high stakes poker or some shit. Like, it, it, do you start small with something like that? Does it have to be? Do you make it like just like it's just a hang, like a like a cool like a cool hang? Like, do you think like I guess it's maybe it's more for younger people. For us old heads, like especially those of us with you know regular regular, especially regular regular jobs, especially in white collar work, you know, conventions can be a, a ton of fun. You know, you make friends. You know, you have some heavy nights out. You you ideally you eat some delicious food. But I also know that, you know, budgets are tight in skateboarding. You know, we've talked about things have constricted over the last few years. And, 
you wonder who 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 could afford to go. How would you make it affordable, if at all, or would it just be like, nah, this is only for heavy headers? Yeah, I mean, with this type of thing, I I think you got to start off small because, like, just to show people like it can happen again or that people can do it again. But I mean, you have to get someone to to organize it to be the leader. That's the tough part. I don't know. Maybe maybe. Maybe AVN, the adult video network folks, can, yeah. can, can give us some tips because, you know, that's an industry that's been rocked by social media and the internet. And they're still going like those are still people still pay good money. And that's a destination for folks. So clearly they're doing something right in the adult yeah, film industry. Like, yeah, like, like bring someone in like on a, on a consulting basis. I'd be pretty stoked on that. <laughs> <laughs> You you could schedule it at the same time as the ABN. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh wow! Oh wow! The, I think the people will be stoked. I don't know. I think people will be kind of stoked on that 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 does brand of scheduling. <laughs> if I say anything else, I'm gonna be I'm gonna get into trouble. <laughs> I was just trying to do a segue, man. <laughs> Are we wrapped? I mean, I don't All think right. we. I don't think we can top that. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, speaking of which, we reached the part of the show where we talk about what we're stoked on this week. Uh, Mike, what are you stoked on this week? I'm stoked on the uh, always amazing Rudy Johnson mini top five from Trail Tap many years ago, uh, where he's talking about what the things that make skaters different. It's going to be linked in the show notes. God, it might it might as well just be like our you know like outro audio. It's so great. So yeah, super stoked on Rudy Johnson. Stoked on Rudy content in general because he's got a lot of trail trail couch appearances as well. That dude's amazing, and I think he might actually have had one of the best skateboard careers you could ask for from the standpoint of like I'm that dude, and then I'm gonna have this skateboard career. Um, I think it's worth noting that the NBA finals and the NBA playoffs writ large have been fantastic so far. Really just hoping for seven games of this finals, Denver versus Miami. Stoked on that. It ain't, it then, ain't going it ain't going seven, I, I bet it, you. I mean it might it might be Denver in five. I might be, be willing Denver to five. I'd be willing to make a make a gentleman's wager that it goes five or six. I'm down to going on yeah. that. Who who you got? <laughs> no, I think we're all in it. So I think we're all I, I'm saying Nuggets in five. Yeah, they're pretty dope. Like, and and Jamal Murray's hand. I'm stoked on Jamal Murray's hand. He has a Masonite burn. I know it's not Masonite on the basketball court, but burn the shit out of his hand, sliding for something. And then last but not least, stoked on. Um, I took my kid to the van skateboard demo that was here in town on this past Saturday, and she had a fucking ball. And it's just something cool about skating where it's like loud. There's lots of people. There's action, and uh, my little six-year-old girl was like, "Oh, this is this is what's up. This is my element." And she totally got into the sticker game, or just stickering, where it's like you're at a skate event and there's stickers everywhere. And you grab one and you try to get it on someone's back. She might have been trying to do it to Elijah Burrell. So I'm pretty pretty stoked on uh, just my kids' action this weekend. Yeah, who all else? That. Uh, who else was all there? Like Gilbert, I think Gilbert was there. He was skating well. Taylor Kirby was one of the most impressive skaters I've seen in a long time. That dude's really good. Who else? Pedro Delfino. Um, 
crooked guy, the crooked ramp guy, he knocked himself out and he had to get a get an ambulance apparently. And I'm forgetting his name right now, but John Cromer, Brad Cromer, no, the, no, the uh, Sandoval, Ron, Ronnie Sandoval. Thank you. Yeah, no, I I didn't see him slam, but he was like, there's a quarter pipe to wall at at the park, and I think he went up and he came down hard. And um, Sam Hits was the thrasher. It was a Thrasher Vans type event, and yeah, Sam Hits was, you know, he 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 paused the demo to call for an ambulance and everything. So as far as I know, Sandoval's okay, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was a cool ass event. Pretty stoked on it. Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? As usual, I am stoked on Spitfire Wheel straight out of San Francisco, California, where the skies are not smoky. Uh, I've really been enjoying Noel Gallagher's interview with a YouTube podcast i guess you'll call it called that pedal show uh the first two oasis albums are amazing the rest of their stuff is mid noel's solo stuff is mostly miss but he for the last 30 years has been one of the best interviews in music one of the last rock and roll stars just get the band back together already stupid the limousine tour edit went down to texas i really enjoyed that shout out to limousine really enjoying what they're putting out there and also i've just been i've dived back into the most transworld ass video ever, The Dreams of Children. It doesn't even have Transworld's name on it, but you can just tell. Jason, what you stoked on this week? Stoked on Avenger Trucks out of San Francisco, California. Um, one of the best Eurotech ledge assassins in the game, Marek Zaprazny, just came out with a new part called Field. It's for this European clothing brand, I think, called Field. It's super sick if you're into that kind of thing. Talked about Kalos a little bit before. Stoked on his out there feature on the Thrasher website. And Kalos, I think Kalos has the best garage I've ever seen. Like it's usually super clean and organized. And this particular feature is pretty messy, but what is clean and organized? And yeah, it's the coolest garage we've ever seen. He has like every tool, everything's like either on the wall or that kind of thing. That shit rules. Also, you guys know I'm a pretty big cinephile. I went and saw the new Fast and Furious movie, Fast X, or Fast 10, and um, yeah, it was super sick. If you're into that franchise, can't wait for the next one. Well, that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check MostlySkateboarding.net for links and other show notes. Until then, you can keep up with us online. Patrick, where can the people find you? All right, you can find me on Twitter under the handle at Colonel K Speaks. You can also find me on Instagram under the handle at Pikigongo and doing stuff with the Harold Hunter Foundation, which I'm happy to report this week is Harold Hunter Weekend. Some of the events have been moved indoors because of all of the smoke coming from the Canadian wildfires, but it's still popping and I think it's supposed to rain. So by the time this airs on Sunday, uh, I think we should be good to go for the marquee event, which is Harold Hunter Day. Mike, where can the people find you on the internet? Posting on Twitter and Instagram with the same handle, at M. Munzenrider. Jason, where are you on the internet? On Twitter, at Carbonite1994. On Instagram, at FrozenCarbonite. And writing stuff for QuarterSnacks.com. Working on it. Working on some new shit. Well, we'll see you all next week. Later. Later. (laughs) Later. When you walk through a storm Hold your head up high And don't be afraid of the dark
At the end of a storm There's a golden sky And the sweet silver 